there is a shift away from here is a single transaction or an activity to we need to look at the end-to-end customer experience, even though it can be another business. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of Payment Innovation. I'm your host, Richard Arundel from Currency Cloud, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Craig Jeffrey, who is Managing Partner at Strategic Treasurer. Craig, great to have you on the show. Richard, thank you for having me. Well, before we jump in, why don't you give us a quick overview, I guess, you and your background and also for for the company, Strategic Treasurer themselves. Oh, thank you. I'm the managing partner of Strategic Treasure. We're the largest pure play treasury consulting firm in North America. My background before that uh, began in the area of finance area of IT at the Hartford, uh, then moved into investment and treasury. And then I spent some time at a couple of super regional banks and then started Strategic Treasure in 2004. Our firm has Three primary areas. We're at core an advisory firm, so a consulting firm, everything from assessments to architecting solutions to selecting solutions in areas that are concerned with treasures and the cash conversion cycle. So things from payments to banking structure to technology to risk is the first area of our business. The second area of the firm is assist, and this is a people refer to as the headache removal part of the business. We help people connect to their banks, connect to different technology. We do compliance outsourcing, such as FBAR, bank fee management, bank account management, to name a couple. And we have an informed part of our business, which we do 12 annual surveys. We put out ebooks. We have our own podcast, the Treasury Update podcast, uh, that comes out weekly. As part of that as well, and we do a series of, of webinars on a fairly consistent basis from week to week and month to month across the spectrum. So those are the three areas, advise, assist, and inform. Awesome. Okay, thanks for that. I mean, one of the areas particularly keen on focusing on today is the recent B2B survey report, the B2B payment survey report that you released in conjunction with Bottom Line. And you know, for those who haven't read it, perhaps you can give a maybe a brief overview of the survey, kind of who it was aimed at, et cetera before we kind of delve into the detail? Yeah, so this is a global survey. We have had over 300 respondents across the globe saying that anyone involved in payments, so we obviously have a a big tie into Treasury and Treasury's ownership of a lot of the payment space, but also includes a lot of AP professionals, people that handle payments in areas that might not be Treasury. So the focus of it was to make sure we understood what's going on in terms of what's changing with technology, strategies, what people are doing, what their issues are, how they might be adapting, where they plan to spend, what are their biggest issues. So we, it's a great set of information each year, but when it's enriched with the overtime aspect of multiple years, it's uh, becoming very, very, very interesting. So this is the third year that we've run it, and bottom line is, as underwritten it uh, all three years. So I think w- one of the one of the themes is obviously around the, the demand and the interest from corporates leveraging some fintech solutions for their B two B payments. I think that the report makes reference to you know, corporates are wanting this. I think it's now 
A third of corporates say they want to leverage FinTech solutions, which is up from about 20% when you did the survey in, in 2017. And banks themselves are, are adopting this. So I think you said, you know, over three quarters of banks are, are leveraging FinTechs for payment capabilities. And actually only 1% of the banks in the survey said they had no interest whatsoever in utilizing FinTech companies. So, so what, what is the driver there? So why should a bank use a fintech rather than perhaps build it out themselves, deliver it directly to their customers? What, what's the benefit for, for the partnership with a fintech there? Yeah, so, so the benefit of a partnership, I think, is you know, what, do, what does each party bring to the table? And when you think about fintechs, then you think about the different types and sizes of banks and their customers. What are fintechs able to do? They're able to develop very rapidly, they develop technology very rapidly without all the necessary overhead that a bank has as a regulated entity. Banks bring great relationships, relationships with their corporate clients as well as consumers, but for the purpose of this survey, it's really focused on their relationships with treasurers, AP areas, uh, CFOs. Uh, They have long-term relationships that are important. They also have a balance sheet that they leverage. And so when you look at, when you look at the bank mix, everyone has a, a limited capacity of capital, of time, ability to develop. So, you know, certainly there are trillion dollar banks that have much larger budgets, but even those have to weigh what time they spend in different areas and how much capital they put in each area. As you move down from trillion dollar banks, the resources get narrower. They're supporting a lot of systems, a lot of change, a lot of clients. And so the idea that a bank can leverage a fintech is it's an outsourced IT shop for them that they can then integrate into their platform. They can bring faster development to the their customer base. And the same token, some of the fintechs don't have strong relationships with a corporate treasurer, for example. And it's harder to sell if you don't have that strong relationship. So it's the, the symbiosis there is quite compelling in many cases, whether it's done on a white label basis or it's uh, you know, stated, stated directly. There are a lot of benefits to do that, including the ones I just mentioned. Yeah, and I think in the survey, we, you know, there's a focus on customer satisfaction there. And it's how the, how the banks can really utilize the fintechs in terms of delivering kind of this rich customer experience. Um, but so what, historically, what's been wrong with, I guess, that customer experience from a, from a banking side of things? Why is it that they're focused on the customer satisfaction angle? Are, are they concerned about um, losing these corporates to competitors? That is a really good question. I think everyone struggles with it. And I think the answer changes from time to time, depending on different influences. So maybe I can provide some background in terms of how we see it. And then I know you're very familiar with this space too, so you know, feel free to, to weigh in or challenge. There's a lot of things changing on the customer side or the corporate side for business-to-business payments. One is there is a shift away from here is a single transaction or an activity to we need to look at the end-to-end customer experience, even though it can be a, another business. That is becoming increasingly important. That's the idea of reducing friction. That's percolating through many, many organizations, and it's being influenced by several different things, but one in particular is what's happening in the business-to-consumer space. That has led you know, the reduction of friction in payments, and people say, why are things so hard in the business-to-business space? I've got to reconcile. I recognize I have different requirements. So the end-to-end 
experience of their partners is becoming more important because that impacts everything. It impacts efficiency. It can impact control and overall relationships. So that's one. The second, I think, uh, and based on survey data, what everyone's saying, conversations we have, and a bunch of the factors that are happening has to do with better controls, better security around payments because they're, everyone's being attacked in a much more sophisticated and persistent manner using automation. And this has to be addressed. And it's hard to address it with old technology when new technology is attacking it. And this requires a new set of responses. So, so customer experience, control security, and then the ideas about I need help with efficiency, I need help with compliance. Those are, those are pretty top of mind. Efficiency you know, sits right behind security as number two. We need to have a more efficient process from end to end. If I'm sending payments or if I'm receiving payments, and just because I send payments out efficiently, if I don't send enough details or I send out information on the, the detail in a way that's not read or understood by the recipient entity, how do they resolve that? How do they reconcile? Well, now they're calling, which becomes a manual process. It becomes a defect. Defects are costly. They're costly in terms of time. They're the most costly in terms of time. And they're also costly in terms of cash flow and knowing where things are. And so that's the third issue, the efficiency. And then there's quite a bit on compliance. And I, I'll give a pause there in case you wanted to do any follow-ups on the, the items I just mentioned. No, I, I think in your first point, you actually you answered one of my further questions was around you know, how have B2C applications affected, I guess, the growth in, in expectations in the B2B market. I think what you're saying is, you know, I, I share the same view. You know, people are, and there, there are quite a few kind of B2C payment applications now, and, and that just drives expectation when you come to the B2B world. And you know, why, why, why is it taking two days to send a payment? And why haven't got all these kind of rich digital features that I have on my B2C application in my B2B application? So I think you're, you're 100% right there. And you know, I, I think picking on, on, on another of your points there, which is, I guess, efficiency, the, the report talks, uh, I think, you know, manual processes are one of the, the key concerns, I think, right behind board. So, so how are people addressing these manual processes? You know, what, what are the options? Is this something that you know, the fintechs are solving for these banks? And that, that's one of the reasons why they're utilizing them, because they can just step in and we, talk, we can come on to kind of APIs. But I guess now's as good a time as any to talk about, you know, a method of delivery being via an API. Is that kind of the, the fix for these manual processes? Well, you know, the idea that an API will help is, I think, pretty clear in a number of instances. So that's one of a set of solutions. Is it going to fix everything? No. But it's certainly one of the tools in the toolkit, or it's becoming a tool in the toolkit for both the corporations and for banks as another way of connecting that has significantly less overhead. And it is the different applications, whether it's accounting systems, payment systems, billing systems, treasury management systems, also adopt those APIs. It takes a lot of the headache out of, now we've got exchange keys, set up password codes, those passwords and codes, test them uh, you know, in a timed manner, and then realize that passwords may reset every 60 days. You know, this whole process becomes streamlined quite significantly, so it, it can reduce the level of friction uh, at the initial setup point and the amount of care that's required or care and feeding to keep these things running well. Okay. 
And I think but just before you paused and, and handed over to me, we, we, you mentioned the, the C word, the, the compliance word there. Why don't we spend just a couple of minutes talking about that and the importance, I guess, of compliance and, and, and the challenges that compliance brings um, in payment system? Why don't we, if, if I kind of open the question up to yourself, not necessarily just in the survey, but also from, from you know, your work at Strategic Treasury and, and dealing with a lot of these companies, how do you handle that whole kind of messy world of compliance? Yeah, Richard, that is an ongoing and significant challenge. But let me, let me highlight just a couple of the points or issues that we see regularly, you know, one, one from compliance and one from control standpoint. I mean, there's an aspect of control that I think fits into compliance as well, depending on how you draw your hierarchy there. But on the compliance side, let's think about KYC as an example. You have to comply with your customer, whether you're a bank or whether you're a corporation. So this whole vetting process is a pain. It's the most significant issue identified by banks and by corporations in the area of payments. So that's that's number one, that's a compliance issue. And when you think about lots of individual corporations running through KYC for all their newly onboarded companies, that's you know a repetitive event that occurs. If you can leverage, let's say a network or a bank's database or a third party technology vendor, that could make life a lot easier. That, that's one. We could also talk about sanction filtering and sanction management, but I'll leave that off to the side for now unless you want to get into it. And then on the control front, you know, I think, you know, there's a couple aspects of control. There's, you know, the consumer side, you might have multi-factor authentication. You may get a text to your phone that you're sending out money and the bank wants to confirm that you indeed want an instant transfer of $50 to the babysitter. Well, that's great. You know, you got multi-factor authentication. On the corporate side, the level of control, you might need more segregation of duties. You need a more refined principle of least privilege so people can't access things they don't need to see. And that needs to be built into the workflow. And so the level of control needs to be higher. And that is certainly, that is certainly hot on the topic or front of mind for treasurers AP professionals, anybody who's on the payment profession side. That's one on the control side. And I'd like to explain another one if you think we have time. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So the other, you know, I'll give one example. There's a lot more attacks that are happening on the pure electronic side uh, than there used to be. But we still have a massive issue with the business email compromise arena. This is the imposter fraud or, you know, CEO or CFO spoofing, whatever name you use. This is where you, as a criminal, you convince someone in the company to change vendor master record or any of the master record information to reflect a different or new bank account. And that can be done in a number of ways, whether it's done through the phone, such as phishing, whether it's done through email. But this idea that we can convince people to make changes uh, becomes harder and harder to as they get more and more sophisticated. I mean, some of the tools that help with the voice activities are surprisingly good. You can have a, whole, uh, a short conversation in the in the voice of the you know, CEO or CFO uh, taken from the earnings reports and you know instructing someone to get a payment out or change this. Uh, but there's less sophisticated ways of doing that through email. 
And the concept there is now managing all of your vendor master records, making sure that it's, there's enough of a fortress around it that it can't be penetrated is an increasing challenge. So when we think about control around that, um, the ideas of what are we doing, corporations want help with that. They need help with that. Yep. The attack is sophisticated, increasingly sophisticated and automated, and they're achieving better success despite you know, at least a three-year run of organizations learning about it, addressing current issues, and then being you know, overwhelmed by the next level of sophistication on it. And that's just on the spoofing people. So those are big issues. Yes, yeah, certainly security control and, and compliance. We could probably have a whole series of podcasts on those, to be fair. You know, certainly in our world and in, in you know, the cross-border payments world, when it comes to compliance, there's you know, all kinds of considerations and, and, and differences there. So listen, one of the, the final things I wanted to talk about was, I guess this, the survey talks about AR versus AP or accounts payable versus accounts receivable. And you know, what should you prioritize? So payables seems to be important for some of the large companies, but receivables is being prioritized slightly more by some of the smaller companies. I guess really the question was, you know, why you think that is and are the fintech solutions less advanced in accounts receivable? Is that why some of the large companies haven't put as, as much of a priority on them? So, yeah, that, that's a good question. I have to think about that as for a moment. You know, you're saying is, is AR less advanced than AP? You know, I find that really hard to say yes one way or the other. I mean, AP is advancing in certain ways and has had a lot of attention. You know, their focus might be more on integrated payments, handling of range of new payment formats on the outbound side. AR has similarly been focused on, you know, integrated receivables or receivables that are managed by their banks and do some preliminary matching and then it can integrate into their back-end systems. You know, I think uh, there's a couple factors that go either way. So I'm sorry I'm so squishy on this, but, <laughs> you know, on the, on, the, on, the, on the, let me just talk through it. So on the receivable side, that's getting cash in. That tends to have a lot of attention from the underwriting side and the credit risk side to making sure that they can get cash applied quickly. That's a key working capital metric. And so that's never going to fall too far behind on the payment side, unless you're in the payments business, like let's say an insurance company or a non-bank financial institution. Payments isn't your core business. So you're paying vendors. Yeah, you want to pay them on time, but that's not as near and dear to customers receiving money. So it tends to sit third. So that would tend to push receivables a little faster. But, you know, this concern about fraud on the outbound side, the development of what, you know, different systems, administrative systems, accounting systems that can support newer and better technology, newer and better formats, I think it's helpful globally. Um, I think that some of the regulations that are changing come to pass, like PSD2 for you know, supporting APIs, you know, for whether it's information management transactions or transfers of funds, uh, those present opportunities too. So that's a long way of saying I don't, I don't know. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe you can ask me another question on that. It was probably an unfair question. I, I, I was coming at it, and, and from personally, when I look at the cross-border space, I. I see that accounts payable is is more advanced i think than accounts receivable and even if you know as and when we speak to a lot of the banks when they look at how they're receiving money for, for their customers from overseas 
they find it really difficult. They find it really difficult to reconcile. There's there's obviously different kind of compliance requirements around understanding you know, who's actually sent them the money, how they screen that. Whereas it's a lot easier, obviously, to to make payments on behalf of their, their customers where the funds are in their account. Um, so I was just in, interested from from your side, um, but I think oh, oh okay yeah yeah that's that's uh, <laughs> yeah that's that's certainly helpful um, you know calibration there um, that you just gave. So my, my final question really is: that, listen, the surveys are interesting, certainly for, for for me for someone in this payment space. But from from you and from your side, what what do you think? that banks and kind of all fintechs, A, can be doing, but also should be doing um, in terms of kind of driving more adoption in this space? Yeah. So what, what can they be doing and what should they be doing? I'll go through a couple of things that they can and should should be doing. So the use of APIs, there are a you know, handful of banks that have those offered. Well, so what can a corporate do about that? They can talk to their technology providers, whether it's their ERP, their treasury management system vendor, et cetera, and see where they are on that. Because if they have that, that may be an option to expand their digital connection with them. So that would be one, one example on the, what they can and should be doing regarding uh, API. You know, it's interesting. That was, you know, one of the surveys where the real practical nature of payment professionals really stood out. So if you look at you know, one of the questions we said, rank what tech or services you think will impact B2P payments over the next two to three years, you know, API was number one by a significant margin. And that's, I mean, these are very practical professionals. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And we see it. The one, the one that I think um, I'm going to say what they can and should be doing that didn't show up nearly as high, and I would say it came in fourth on the list was robotic process automation, RPA, the use of bots, system to system. And let me just explain the context for my answer so that it, people don't disagree instantly. <laughs> they don't have to think through it. So you think about cheat codes in you know, video games uh, you know, that help you gain additional powers. You know, I think about APIs. APIs are, in a sense, like a cheat code allow us to exchange information more easily. It doesn't require as much setup. Um, It allows us to transact uh, transactions or initiate payments or get a status on payments more rapidly. So it's a cheat code, you know, for this, you know, a payment activity. The second cheat code, if you will, is robotic process automation. Now, this is the use of, let's just call them super powerful macros that bridge systems as opposed to a macro and your spreadsheet to sort of like handle the handoffs between systems, grab information or data. And this, this I would say it's a cheat code. It allows us to cheat our way to straight through processing to reduce the amount of friction. You know, friction usually results in manual processes or increased number of defects, which are the most costly. And so an API helps for an information exchange. It helps for payment origination. A robotic process automation and handle all of the handoffs that exist in an organization before you get to the masterful system that does everything. So in my view, uh, robotic process automation is you know, fourth on this list of what people said. I believe that it is, it's at least number two because it is, a, it is a cheat code writ large that gets us a straight through processing 
which is the broader view of what we're trying to do, efficiency and security-wise, and APIs in regards to payments, you know, fit into that process, and especially when we talk about APIs related to payments. So I think those are those are two things. So now what was what they can and should do is payment areas, treasury areas should be at least gaining some facility with those tools for robotic process automation, should have some pilots in place, find some ways to save time, to check information and to move forward. So those are those are two. I can give you another one if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, listen, this, this, this is all interesting for, for, for the listeners here. So I'll, I'll give you one more. Well, the, the top three, and th- this, one, this one I think shows up in AI and machine learning, though not stated specifically in that same question, it is one of the options. So when we think about AI and machine learning, and this is something that we've talked about a lot with bottom line and you've seen them, it's the idea of if there is significant fraud and if you want to improve how your processes work in an era of massively expanding information and increasingly sophisticated attacks, you know, in today's world, um, you know, having machine learning map and see what goes on in the organization between systems with data, et cetera, you can have it monitor what goes on and then spot anomalous behavior. So it can spot anomalous behavior that it's learned and say, this is odd, you know, this one idea is now looked at you know, 75 individual records in the last minute. That's faster than uh, most people could do. And you can also build rules in based on what you know. It's if there's a change in a payment instruction and then there's a non-repetitive transfer or surrender immediately set up or within a certain period of time, you could have those flagged as well. So I think the the idea of putting this technology in place in some organizations is like, oh, that's sci-fi. Other organizations, it's we need to learn about it, and others are, we're doing it because we know it's an issue. This is something that if you're doing payments, that has to be part of your payment process if, if you run it inside. The issue is going to be when you do it. Will you do it before you start suffering losses, when you start suffering losses, and what makes sense? So I, I, don't, I don't mean to be too dramatic there, but uh, that type of tech is something people need to at least know what exists. And then when you look at your the security of your payment process, the data, access to the data, uh, the custody of that information from point to finish, the out-of-band confirmation that you get with your banks if you do that, those are all pretty vital. Um, those will become a much, much bigger issue over the next few years as losses continue to mount. It won't just be on the, the business email front where people are spoofed. It will be you know, changing data, changing records. Yeah, and, and listen, this, it's quite a good top three because I think it, it speaks to two of the most important challenges that Treasury experiences in terms of manual payment workflows and protection against fraud, um, which ultimately all comes down to us. They're, you know, they're big issues for these companies and for the banks. But the big impact is obviously on their customer. And if we, we take it back to, I guess, that consumer or customer satisfaction. You know, the, these are all fundamental to you know, protecting your customers' money, delivering it in, in an efficient manner. Um, so if you can protect against fraud and, and you know, reduce some of these manual processes so you can automate these flows, and not only you're protecting yourself as a, as a company or a bank, but also you're, you're, you're enhancing that customer experience. So I think that's we're, we're probably out of time. 
But listen, it's been it's been great to have you on, Craig. Um, why don't you just finish off with you know where, where can people find you? I know you've got an up and coming webinar that you're doing, I think, with with with, with Cariba. Where where can people learn more about Strategic Treasure? Yeah, thanks, Richard. I uh, appreciate the questions and the and the time on your podcast to your audience. So uh, you can find us on the web at strategictreasure.com. There's sections for webinars, podcasts, et cetera. So there's a lot of content. Uh, there's a section for surveys. So we have um, we have a couple significant uh, payment surveys. There's a like you said, there's a webinar that the recordings are out there as well for. I think if you go to strategictreasure.com slash podcast, you'll find it or on your on your phone, whatever app you use for podcasts, you can search for Treasury Update. But uh, those are some ways. Our main office is in Atlanta. Phone number 678-466-2220. And thanks. Good man. Thanks, Craig. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.